Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the HIV podcast. Each week, we focus on a person, historical event, or pop culture moment linked to HIV and explore the story of what actually happened. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jess. And between us, we've been working in the field of HIV for 40 years. Our aim is to get as many people as possible HIV educated. Welcome to HIV. I was about to say HIV Hope and Charity. No, no. It's been less than 30 seconds and already it's a car crash. Wham, do you remember HIV Hope? Oh, see, I can't even remember the words. History, to which we have to solve this mystery. A person or a something. If I just remember the last bit. If you like our podcast, you better subscribe. I bet everyone's happy that that ended, me singing jingles. Yeah, and that we moved on and it's just called the HIV podcast. Welcome to the HIV podcast, everyone. That's a good start. I do actually have something that you're going to enjoy this week. So last week, there was my hair debacle. No, that was the week before. Anyway, who cares when it was? That's not important. But do you remember who you said you thought I looked like? Linda from Gimme Gimme Gimme. Linda from Gimme Gimme Gimme, yes. Right, well, as we know, I stuck red ribbons to my glasses, my old ones, because I got a new prescription, which means I bought new glasses. And now you have ruined me wearing a pair of my glasses. Are you ready for this? I'm going to put them on for you, okay? Brace yourself, because now it's all I see. Linda from Gimme Gimme Gimme. Okay, here we go. I'm going to put them on. <laughs> I do look, in fact, just like Linda from Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. It's uncanny. And she was beautiful too. And Kathy Burke is one of my all-time heroes. So there you go. You're in good company. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Ruin them for a bit. So off these go. And we'll put the other ones back on, I think. <laughs> just, oh, yeah. I just I can't unsee it now. Oh, I wish I'd taken a picture of that because that every time. <laughs> anytime there's any stress or anything going on i'll be like where's that picture of jess slash linda i'll print one off for you do you know what i need to remember i actually shared a reel um recently where because i can see you and you can see me i just assume everything is being recorded all the time hmm. and recently i've realized that is not the case at all 
So I, I don't know which way that will have recorded us on Zoom. It's normally the person making the noise. So I don't know if that will just be you pointing at me and dying of laughter. Oh, my glasses. Face. But I will get you a picture of that and I will post a picture, um, maybe a side by side picture of Linda from Gimme, Gimme, Gimme for those who don't know who she is. Well, Lauren's not going to know who she is. So perfect. Oh, that is true. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Lauren, I will send you references. Don't you worry. <laughs> I'll put them on again. Go on. It's just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best thing I've seen all year. It's amazing. And they were like really, really cheap. So I thought these would just be like, I actually called them a pyjama pair. But Ben was like, what is a pyjama pair of glasses? Do you know what I mean? Like a pair that no. you wear when you probably wouldn't wear out the house. But they're like cheap. Doesn't matter if you sit on them or do you know what I mean? Like a sloppy pair. No. Well, I wear contact lenses, so I don't have like pyjama contact lenses. They're, they're just all the same thing. So do you, do you ever wear glasses, though? Sometimes. Yeah, so I do, because you're not supposed to wear contact. This is interesting content for everyone, isn't it? You're not supposed to wear them like all the time, are you? Because it's kind of bad for your eyes. So yeah, I do have like pyjama days when I wear glasses. And you wear pyjama glasses. This is exactly well, they're just normal glasses. No, pyjama glasses. I'm not having it. They're pyjama glasses. Oh, I don't have different pairs, though. I just have, well, I have two pairs. One, again, interesting content. I got a new prescription a year ago. And they're too strong and they they make me feel like seasick. But I mean, I can see for miles, but I'm sure they're not supposed to make you feel ill. So I've had to go back to my old ones, which are scratched and, you know. Do you look like Mrs. Goggins in them? I imagine they're like the lenses are so thick that your eyes are just huge. No, because wouldn't I have massive thick contact lenses? <laughs> I meant your magnifying glasses, not your scratched pyjama ones. Oh. No, I don't think they're not that thick. I think just for me, they just feel very strong. My eyes and my eyes are all right. They're not. Oh, we should test our eyes in the office one day. You're worse than me by a country mile. I already know this. How do you know this? If you didn't wear glasses, would you be able to drive your car? Well, yeah, but I wouldn't be able to see, you know, other cars. (laughs) Buses and lorries, fine. Cars. mm. So this is it. If you didn't wear your contact lenses, I'll rephrase it. Would you be able to safely drive your car? <laughs> well, no, probably not. No. Okay, so mine are. Yes, you don't. Do you wear your glasses for driving? I've been in the car with you. You didn't wear your glasses. I don't have to wear them for driving. I can't remember where we went in your car, and it was your old car. It's a little car, and I just remember throughout the journey, the heat was on, the heat was off, the heat was on, <laughs> and I was just like, would you just leave it alone? You've never forgotten that. I swear that would have been about 10 years ago. <laughs> yes, by the end of it, I was ready to just smash my face into the board. <laughs> Leave the heater alone. It's fine. I took a client home the other day, actually, and they had to open the window. And I was like, oh, do you want me to turn this down? And they were like, yes, I feel sick. And I mean, it's snowing at the moment. So that is how hot I like the car. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, welcome to a uh, car chat. It's like a little mini edition of Top Gear, isn't it? Pajama glasses car chat. Yeah. It's the end of the year, Sarah. That's what's happening. I know. I think we've just gone a bit kind of stir crazy, haven't we? It's been snowing. Can't get out and do what you want. Tell me what we're doing today. We are today Kids TV. That's a good shout, but I I cannot lie to you because I bet there are people listening to this going, Kids TV and HIV, they are, that is not the combo that I expected, if I'm honest. No, it sounds good though, doesn't it? I do love a rhyme. 
it, yes, it does sound like a little song, like a limerick. Yeah. But I'm interested to know where we're going on this journey. Ooh, well, we're not in the 80s. We're in the 90s. Lauren, who listens to our edited podcast before it goes out, won't have a clue. I can't remember when she was born, but I don't think she remember TV in the 90s. So this will be an education for her, if nothing else. Yeah, but do you know what? Happy Days, I swear, came out like in the 70s or 80s, didn't it? And I remember that and I was born in the 80s. So I feel like, Lauren, up your game. That's basically what I'm saying. Watch more TV, learn more pop culture references. What's Happy Days? I I don't know. I've not heard of that. Are you actually joking? No. Chachi, the Fonz. Oh, that. Oh, God, that's ancient. like the 60s, wasn't it? I'm going to look this up right now. Sunday, Monday, Happy Days. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days. Oh, yeah. Was that kids' TV? You sort of put on Channel 4 at about five o'clock, just, and you, it was potluck. What would you get? Okay. okay. You know, you weren't quite sure, but I'm going to have a look because perhaps you're right. Because let's see. So it's set in the 1950s and 60s. Oh my God, I'm right. Literally, I'm so excited by that. And it was um, first broadcast in the 70s and 74. Wow. Oh, I don't. I don't. I never watched it. E. No, no. Doesn't mean anything to you. No. A team. Chips. Airwolf. That's more my kind of. Okay. Genre. okay. Basically, violent American TV <laughs> was my go-to. <laughs> Bad guns in it. Did you like MacGyver? No. Oh. I'll just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so we are, we're looking at children's television in the 90s, not TV now, so I'm not going to go off on a rant about Postman Pat, as I have done in the past, although I cannot mention his name without pointing out that he, well, he's blooming useless, isn't he? Couldn't perform simple tasks like delivering letters. That stayed with me, Jess, ever since the kids were little, and it it still irritates me now. Yeah, this is the second time in a podcast you've had a Postman Pat rant. There is a lot of hatred, isn't there, for Pat? What was his surname? Oh, I don't know. Pat Hopeless? I don't know. <laughs> Rubbish Pat, the crappy postman. <laughs> We'd never deliver any letters at all. And yet everybody in Greendale still loved him. I'm just... Yeah, let's move on. Okay, look, we're going back to the 90s and two children's programmes that actually both of them, I think, were quite pro- progressive for their time. So we're going to look at Grange Hill, one of my all-time favourites, and also Children's Ward. She liked both of those, I have to be honest. There was a lot of kids' TV that I did not like at that time, but they are two that I watched and liked both. And, yes, I will second what Sarah's saying. She loves Grange Hill so much, I can't tell you. You've got a T-shirt, haven't you, that has the name? I have! And it's like a band T-shirt, and so it has the names of who's it have on it? It's got Tucker, Zamo, I think it's got Gripper and Roland, I'm sure it has. I'll try and take a picture of me wearing it. Yeah, perfect. We will share a picture of Sarah. Now you have to in the because I'm announcing it to make it true. Um, But yeah, so she does love it that much. We've talked about it a lot. She likes singing the Just Say No song. Zamo using heroin. Do you remember it? Just Say No. Oh, it was amazing. But do you know what? I didn't know they addressed HIV, mainly because those episodes were shown in the 90s and I had left school by then. It would have been weird to carry on watching it I'm with you I don't remember them featuring HIV but like you I was then not an older teenager but I mean I probably wasn't watching it 
No. I do. There were. I'm sure there were some of some of the people in the episodes because I've watched them. I do recognise, but they were in the sixth. But I have to say, when I started watching it, couldn't stop. It's still interesting. Anyway, we're looking at series 18. Uh, it was shown in 1995. Quite a way into the series, episode 14, to be precise. I noted this down because I am a good researcher. Yes, you've got your hand up. So I just realised we have lots of listeners all around the world. Should we just quickly say what? Grain Chill is. Oh, yeah, we should. So it's a children's TV program. It's based in a school, a long running TV program. It started in the 70s, didn't it? And it's based in a school in London. And it basically follows different storylines related to the children and the teachers. And they are, well, they're just real life, aren't they? They tackle lots of real life issues that would have affected children at that time. Absolutely. It was hailed. I think the whole time it was on as being very progressive because it did tackle real issues that young people were facing that a lot of other, well, that nowhere else was really looking at and focusing on. So that is why it's such a massive institution. And because it spans sort of so much of our childhoods, like we were saying, it went from the 70s before we were born all the way up into the 90s till we weren't watching it anymore. So almost like a soap opera, but not quite. Yeah, it was good. And it's, there's loads of episodes on YouTube if you want to check it out. So we are following a character called Lucy. She's an established character in the programme. Um, and actually, the storyline is about her. It's about her mum. So Lucy, I think she's kind of year 10 or 11. So what, she'd be sort of 14, 15, 16. <laughs> you know, she's a teenager. Um, and uh, she's very popular. She's She's doing well at school. Her dad's uh, an accountant. They they live in you know very comfortable existence because some of the Grangehill characters were in kind of blocks of flats. And she's not. She's you know everything leads you to believe that this is kind of a, a kind of quite a well-to-do family. Um, and her mum falls ill. She's taken to hospital with suspected meningitis. In the next episode, you see Lucy waiting outside the hospital ward, and her dad comes out and he breaks the news to her that her mum has died. Shortly after that, I know, I know. I, I didn't think that's where we were going this early on. Oh, so early on. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, you know, Lucy's mum got ill and then we talk about it. That was quite a shock, but I will allow you to continue. Uh, <laughs> no, well, that's kind of how it happens, really. One minute you see, you know, she's going off to hospital and the next episode she's there and it's like, oh, I'm really sorry, Lucy, but your mum's died. And it's like, oh, gosh, what's going on? And then Lucy's dad learns that his wife had HIV and that's what led her to die of meningitis. Because understandably, he's saying to the hospital staff, what's, what's happened? Yeah. How, how had she died? And they're saying, you know, we now know that she had HIV. He is so shocked and really, really angry because he's his first assumption is that his wife must have been having an affair. And he just can't get his head around it. And when he gets home, Lucy um, has tried on her mum's earrings. And when he notices, he kind of rips them out of her ears and, and just says, no, don't wear those. And she doesn't, obviously, she doesn't know why. And then he's got the old, do you remember TCP, that old horrible smelling stuff? He's bathing her ears and she's just like, but why can't I wear those earrings, Dad? What's going on? And he's just like, no, you can't. Don't touch anything, any of her stuff kind of thing. And he starts to obsess about how his wife contracted HIV. Her dad's called Greg, by the way. Let's use his name, not just her dad. And he's going through old diaries and photo albums. And he's scaring Lucy because she's like, what is going on? Why are you looking through all her old letters? 
and looking at photos in in the albums and having them all spread out all over the table. I, I think sometimes in those situations, someone can think they're protecting somebody else by not explaining what's going on, but actually it can end up being much scarier watching yeah. that unfold and the fear that that other person's in and watching them look through all that stuff. So I can imagine Lucy was quite scared. Yeah, and she's just like, there's more to this, isn't there, than, than what we've been told. So, I mean, she's a smart kid. She, she can sense that there's a lot more to her mum's death than she's being told. Anyway, Greg's looking through the photos and one photo jogs his memory. And it's a picture of them on holiday in America. And he starts chatting to Lucy. He said, do you remember this trip? We went to America. You were quite little. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I do remember it. And he said, yeah, your mum had a, a little minor accident, which resulted in her having a blood transfusion. How minor was the accident, Greg? But the way they say it, it's like, oh, yeah, it was. I think she, they said it was a car crash, but it wasn't a big car crash. And it's like, oh, OK, but needed a blood transfusion. Wow. <laughs> kind of everything starts to fall into place because he's like, hold on. She's had a blood, tra- blood transfusion. Is that how she got HIV? And he decides to tell Lucy the truth because now he's worried they might both be infected too. Right. How would Lucy be infected? I don't know. Probably that irrational fear. Just suddenly, because my mind was doing the maths and saying, if Lucy was on that holiday, then it wasn't that she was conceived or that her mum had contracted before she got pregnant with Lucy. He's just... You're right. There are some... I mean, at the end, we can go through some of the gaps in the story. Your face was amazing there. We're like really like small. I was like, hmm, there there are some gaps here. Let's discuss later. Oh, meanwhile, Lucy's school friend's very, very supportive, as you would be if your friend's going through this, giving her lots of hugs and support. Remember, they think her mum died of meningitis, but Lucy's not handling the truth at all well. So she now knows that her mum died of HIV. Um, And it's unfortunate that her being told by her dad what's going on coincides with the lesson at school about unprotected sex. And it's all a bit close to the truth for her. And she storms out of the lesson. She just can't. I mean, understandably, she's going to be a really tough time anyway. There is a boy in her class when she storms out that starts to put two and two together. And he's like, hold on, there's something odd going on here. Meanwhile, Lucy's in the toilets, the place where we all used to go when there's a drama. I still do that now, even at home. You just run to the toilet and everyone's like, what's happened? Yeah, wait for someone to follow me. And then that's when my drama will unfold. You'd know this. You're always lurking around my house. <laughs> that's true that's true got the old binoculars out oh uh, you could just borrow my glasses with her amazing prescription her friend follows her and her friend goes to hug her and she's like don't touch me lucy's panicked now she thinks she's going to pass hiv on to her friend and as she turns away as a friend tries to hug her she falls and she cuts herself and then she's like panicking even more because she started bleeding I knew there was going to be something like that in this. There always isn't there when suddenly someone cuts themselves in a programme and then goes, get away. Yes, like Emmerdale. Oh, that maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, There's always yeah. that moment, I feel like, in an HIV storyline. There has to be some sort of cut of the skin and then a get away from me before yeah. we all learn that actually that's really not how you'd contract. But Yes, meanwhile, the boy that's kind of put two and two together, his name is Dean. He has figured out what's going on and has spray painted a skull and crossbones on Lucy's locker. And so the rumours start. Is Dean joking? I'm so... How did he just go? Sex ed, she's run out. She's... He didn't go for like the real obvious, let's be honest, of saying maybe she's pregnant. He didn't go for that, did he? 
mum's probably she's probably been told her mum's died of meningitis then found out she died of hiv because she was in a minor car crash even though she needed a blood transfusion and uh yeah that's what happened now lucy didn't she have it no dean no dean did not come up with that in the five minutes it took her to run out and a skull and crossbones dean really <laughs> how has he got a can of spray paint in school I mean, what's going on there and then watch him spray paint without stopping him in a school there's always people about and it would smell and also well we move on let's move on to the next lesson art they got an easy morning haven't they sex ed and then art where's maths and english but anyway a boy called dudley blurts out that lucy's mum died of aids and dennis who's one of lucy's really good friends flies at him in a rage and they start having um a fight dudley dennis and dean this is what I'm saying. They're all called, yes, exactly. All boys at Grange Hill had names starting with D. So bizarre. And the teacher that pulls them apart, it's the art teacher. who's I don't know if this was the same at your school, but you had like your wishy-washy teachers, art, any kind of creative lesson, actually, music. And then you had your hardcore teachers, English, maths, sometimes history. They were the ones that you didn't want to get pulled up by. But the art teacher was like, oh, it's just like a puff of wind. I would absolutely agree. It was the same at my school. I feel terrible because we're stereotyping. I'm sure there's a hardcore art teacher out there. But actually, no, yeah, they were like nice and soft and you could sort of get away with murder in their class, couldn't you really? Yeah, no, absolutely. And then there were other lessons. Science teachers never messed about in their lessons. Never. They were shouty. Anyway, Lucy announces the rumours are true. Her mum did die of AIDS. She's had enough by this point. She's just like, yeah, so what of it? That week's school swimming lesson. They don't do any proper lessons, do they? We've got sex ed, art, then swimming. Great. The swimming lesson and a lot of the class are very reluctant to get in the pool with Lucy. And so she just says it's fine. And she goes back to the changing rooms so that the lesson can continue. You know, the sports teacher is just like, are you okay? And she's like, no, but, you know, what can I do? And it leads to discussions in the staff room about safety if Lucy does have HIV. So the teachers are saying, well, what do we do? We've never come across this before. What if she cuts herself? Are we safe? Are the other children safe? People are so selfish, aren't they? Because I feel like to this point, correct me if I'm wrong, Lucy hasn't actually been tested and we have no idea if she's positive or not. I mean, we're, no. I'm going to go she's not. But it's like, thanks, teachers. Thanks for thinking just about yourselves. Yes. And then one of the parents, hears her son discussing it with his friend. And she contacts the school. And the school obviously aren't going to discuss it with her, but that increases her concern. Um, And the school is saying, well, we can't confirm or deny this uh, and we can't talk to you about it because of confidentiality. I suppose they're trying to illustrate, aren't they, prejudice and stigma and parents panicking, teachers panicking. And and poor Lucy, you know, right at the heart of this, just going, well, you know, what can I do? I'm just a 15-year-old girl. Poor Lucy, indeed. No, no, I do like what they're doing. I do. I, I'm critiquing hard, but I mean, I feel like that's my job. So they just, just take it, Grange Hill. Take my critiques. Oh, well, the rumours carry on. They're rife, really. There's AIDS graffiti on the Grange Hill school sign. You know, Lucy's convinced she's got HIV. You would be, wouldn't you? If everybody is telling you you've got yeah. it, then you're going to be like, well, yeah, I probably have. And she speaks to one of the teachers. It might have been the art teacher, actually. And he reassures her that you can't contract HIV from touching. So this is the, the voice of reason in all this madness going, come on, this isn't this isn't how it's going to be. You're going to be fine. Lucy contacts THT, goes for counselling. She's very switched on. She's very clever. That's very good. And yay for THT, because I bet they helped advise on this. Yeah. The lady or man at THT, can't remember which, 
says, you know, make a memory store, put everything in there that reminds you of your mum, all the things that she should be supported with to help preserve that memory of her mum. And as she's doing that, as she's thinking about what she'd like in her memory box, for her thoughts are kind of clarified. And she's like, right, do you know what? Stop worrying. Just need to test for HIV. My dad needs to test too. We're just going to go and do this. Oh, so she took charge of the situation. I think her dad also is coming around to the same idea. But I think as so often happens when you're going through, you know, a horrendous crisis like they are and you're both grieving, communication's not always there, is it? You're wrapped up in your own world, but you're both coming to the same conclusion. And the final episode of the series is when Lucy and her dad get their HIV results. And it's good news. They're both negative. Lucy's friends have all kind of rallied around to support her throughout, actually, and they're all really pleased for her. But her boyfriend, Josh, who up to this point has been an absolute waste of space, (laughs) he's felt very awkward about the whole situation. And he ends up avoiding her. And he knows that she's leading up to the days when she's going to get her test results. And he really doesn't want to know. He's like, oh, she'll be fine. She's got all of you to support her. She doesn't need me crowding her. Anyway, he's super happy when they get the results. Lucy's dad lets the school know. Lucy tells her friends and Josh. Josh is like, oh, brilliant. We can move on. And she's like, no, 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 you haven't been there for me. So there's no future for us. She's smart, isn't she? I like it. And then Lucy and her dad go out for a meal and then they kind of make a pack to say, do you know what? We're going to face whatever obstacles there are in the future together. I feel like that's not always reality, but I like that that's where Grange Hill went with it. I feel a bit like in a school, rumours aren't quashed that quickly. Oh God, they'd have been around forever, wouldn't they? Once you're stuck with something, that's it. Exactly. And and, and it would just go, and someone would be like, oh, at my school, there was a girl whose mum died. Do you know what I mean? Even if that wasn't true, you'd be like, yeah, and the daughter had it. These rumours live forever, don't they? But a massive, massive praise to Grange Hill for tackling that because as much as yeah. we're making light and having a laugh with it, that is really important. And to be and to be dealing with that in the 90s as well. Very good. Yeah. And the points I've put, and you've picked up on all of them, I think, but we should just say, yes, it's not as realistic coverage as some other TV programmes. Lucy's mum clearly had HIV for a long time. Lucy's dad didn't. So, you know, you would have expected at that time for him to contract it as well. Obviously, Lucy, very mature, deciding to go for counselling on her own. And as we both said, Dean, what a genius, like a medical genius working it all out at such an early point. But I think the point is that these episodes, they're educating a whole generation of children that had very little in the way of education about HIV. So they would have missed out on the adverts in the 80s. Um, So even though, yeah, it's a little bit unrealistic, um, and I think it's probably quite hard to get the stance right. And also looking back, I don't suppose Zamo's heroin storyline was that accurate, but it stuck with me forever. Yes. So maybe the accuracy doesn't matter as much. It's more that message you're putting out there about HIV and stigma and discrimination and education. They've managed to cover a lot of different facets around HIV stigma, how it's transmitted, a lot of different issues, I feel like, within this storyline. So fair play, because perhaps that was the best model and also probably the best model to engage with young people. Yeah. And it's Grange Hill. Everyone takes notice of it, don't they? Yeah. Kind of a rite of passage through childhood that you watched Grange Hill and you learned way more from that than you did from anywhere else. Oh, definitely. Okay, should we do children's ward? Yes. Oh, that was good. Do you know what? That's almost a full episode. I'm almost like, oh, I'm done. That was that was a lot. I know. I was just thinking, but we can't not mention it. Okay. Um, because it was aired first in 1993, but Children's Ward was not as popular 
as Grange Hill. Again, we should probably just say what it is. So it is a children's TV drama set in the children's ward of a hospital. Um, And it's actually much harder to find out the storyline because it's not as well documented as Grange Hill was. But the reason I wanted to include it is because it aired first. So they were groundbreaking. Grange Hill followed. So I'm sure you told us about this when we've spoken previously about Russell T Davies, right? Is that true? Yes. Yes. So we talked about it in the Mark Fowler episode and Russell T Davies wrote these episodes. And and that's another reason for including it because, yeah, he was one of the writers on the programme at the time. Forever an HIV advocate, isn't he? Yeah, right. From the early days. Amazing. Mm. So Children's Ward. It features a 15-year-old boy called Richard that's HIV positive. And how did he contract HIV, you might wonder? I know we always say that we never ask our service users how they contracted. But whenever I'm doing podcast episodes, it's the first thing I want to know. (laughs) That's awful, isn't it? Well, he contracted Jess whilst on holiday in America. He was involved in a car accident and he needed a blood transfusion. (laughs) Didn't realise you were going to tell me the exact same thing that happened in Grange Hill. I know. So that's, yes car accident blood transfusion but he's fine now he's on the children ward i don't know why not because of shoddy research no 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 it's because not all the episodes are on youtube so grange hill way easier to research children's ward much more more difficult yeah children's ward was fantastic but a smaller show wasn't it grange hill like sarah was saying it's so well documented we all remember it. i think children's Ward run for a shorter amount of time and probably wasn't watched by as many people possibly yeah don't 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 take that for gospel i think that's what it is anyway i have watched what is on youtube so i do know richard is in hospital but i'm not sure why he's met a girl and they admit to each other that they like each other and they kiss and then straight after they've kissed he says to her oh i've got to tell you something tells you has hiv she confuses it with aids makes her excuses and leaves he is obviously sad On top of that happening, there's a local councillor who is running a campaign to say he shouldn't be on the main ward of the hospital. As she said, he shouldn't be sharing standard shared facilities. Press published the story. And whilst she's being interviewed by a local TV crew, she's heckled by the public. So the public are going, you're wrong. This is none of your business. So you've got kind of that going on outside the hospital. He's obviously been rejected by this girl. And he decides, you know what? It's just better for everyone if I move to a side ward away from all the other children on the ward and let the fuss die down. You can tell it's filmed a long time ago because he immediately finds a whole corridor with private rooms with empty beds. Yeah, long time ago. That is not a long time ago. Um, But he says, right, okay, I'm going to stay in one of these rooms. I'm going to isolate myself for everybody's kind of safety. And the sister of the ward, the nursing sister, finds him and she's like, there's no reason why you need to be here. You know, you can stay on the main ward, but he's adamant. So the sister calls his parents. She's worried. She's saying he's he's too isolated. His parents go with her to his room and they find that the rest of the ward are crammed in there with him. They've made him breakfast. They're having a great time. Oh, yes. And as they say to his parents, well, Richard wouldn't stay with us. So we've come to him. His parents are happy. The sister, it's a lovely scene. Everybody's, yeah. you know, all is good in life. But it's not the only storyline to feature in those episodes. I think it was over two or three episodes that it ran. There's another storyline that's run in parallel that involves a young girl, similar age to Richard, who's also been on the ward. And they're not sure what's wrong with her. There is a backstory, but I won't go into it here as to how she ended up in hospital. They cannot establish the root cause of her illness. And she dies unexpectedly. 
and it completely moves your attention from the HIV storyline. It's actually really clever the way they did it because it puts it all in perspective. So you've got the scene where Richard, he's cheered up, everyone on the ward accepts him, they don't care that he's positive. And then the next scene is the crash team racing to save this girl and then the staff walking slowly back to the ward with the girl's mum. Very moving. I bet. And that is what stays with you because that's shortly after that the episode ends. And that's why it's so clever because you don't focus on Richard's HIV. He's fine. Other tragic things obviously are happening in hospital, even on children's ward. And really, perhaps that's the message that Russell T. Davies wanted to get across is that HIV isn't everything. There's way bigger stuff going on in the world. Absolutely. How old was Richard, by the way? Do we know? He was 15. Oh, a nice age when you're telling someone you like them. I hope that uh, the other children on the ward helped the girl that he liked to um, see that there was no issues there. I hope that happened for Richard. I hope it did too. It was is a really good episode, actually. And you do get caught up in it. And then you think, I'm a 50-year-old woman watching kids' TV shows. That's fine. That's Loving fine. the drama. I think that's fine. I, could, if, I feel like if they re-release Grange Hill on box sets, you would just binge the entire thing. Oh, I most definitely would. I should do that, actually. I should re-watch all the Zamo, the heroin ones, because I find them very traumatic. Yeah, so Sarah's mentioned this a couple of times. And again, for people that aren't in the UK, there was a there was quite a dramatic storyline and it was really shocking at the time, wasn't it, about a young guy called Zamo in Grange Hill who was a heroin addict. And it was sort of watching him fall apart, really, wasn't it? Mm. And you just hadn't seen anything like that on TV as a young person. It was so affecting. And it's where the whole just say no thing came from. Yeah. Oh, do it. And then let us know what you think. Mm, I think I will. So there you go. HIV and kids TV. They're not really groundbreaking. Well, they are groundbreaking storylines, actually, aren't they? Because they're educating a a generation of children that otherwise would have very little knowledge of HIV. They're breaking down some of the stereotypes, hopefully initiating conversations that might not have happened. Well, that's everything. Everything you need to know, Jess, about HIV and Kids TV. I don't know that Kids TV has actually featured HIV really at all since then. I know we've talked about Hollyoaks, but I wouldn't class that as Kids TV. It's a soap opera that's on sort of six, seven-ish. Grange Hill and Children's Ward was literal children's television. It was made for children, wasn't it? So I think Hollyoaks is that slightly older, perhaps? Mm. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that anyone else has bothered. Again, oh, this is making me mad, Sarah. This is making me mad because just like the AIDS campaign, it's not been an AIDS campaign, has there, since the tombstone. It's not like we're rushing around and people are still addressing HIV in things like children's shows. It's like we would just go, oh, that's fine now. We don't need to worry. I know. I don't know if there's been anything since. I'll go and have a look. And if anyone listening is aware of any children's programs that have featured it since please do let us know hmm. because obviously we'd be really interested in looking into it and looking into the backstory but i don't i don't think there has been do you know one day when we have the time and i know we've got a pretty packed kind of schedule for next year is it schedule or schedule schedule oh look it's like maritime is it no isn't schedule american and we say schedule i don't know rota <laughs> plan it's quite packed next year in terms of like episodes that we're going to be doing. But it would be really interesting to look at kids TV in other areas of the world and how they've focused or if they have yeah, added it to the list. 
Yes, the ever-growing list. And please, although we're joking about how packed our schedule is, everyone knows, everyone listening knows that we will feature um, things that you would like us to have a look at. So if there is anything that you want us to feature, we'll always find a little way to squeeze it in somewhere. So please do keep those coming. And we, we end up just bumping other episodes sometimes and, and putting it in. So it's why our schedule schedule is all over the place sometimes. But I so enjoyed that. Good. It's going back to our youth. And why just I just love anything. Oh my god, you're turning me into yours. I'm about to say I love anything from the eighties, eighties and the nineties. Oh no. We have to stop this, Sarah. I'm just morphing <laughs> into you. Oh no. Oh, oh maybe I should get some big Linda glasses too then. I'll post you some. I know where to get them apparently. Oh. Oh, I'm gonna get you some of those, you know, the giant clown ones. Like Timmy Mallet used to wear. That those hilarious joke ones that you'd get in like the 80s. Gonna send you some of those. Oh, we should mention there will be an episode next Friday, even though it's Christmas. So we're carrying on between we are that dedicated that we are carrying on between Christmas and no rest for us, Jess. No rest for you. Uh, well, actually, your elf duties will be over by then, surely. When do you stop Christmas Eve? No, it doesn't stop till the 12th night, Sarah, and that's in the new year. You should know that. Oh my god. So you're moonlighting until then. And doing all of this, you're very busy Christmas. The old schedule, you know. So um, do look out for the next episode on the 29th, last one of the year. I say it like like it's ending. I mean, it's not. There'll still be one the next week after that, the first week of January. So, But it will be the last one of 2022. So basically, we're just carrying on with our <laughs> weekly episodes forever. Yeah. What you're trying to say is we are not having a break for Christmas. No, no, we are <laughs> continuing. Yes, we will. I'll be manning Instagram because Jess has got her hands full with this elves Father Christmas oh, gig Sarah, she's got Sarah, going on. I would never let you man Instagram after the Microsoft Word document debacle. <laughs> never are you allowed near anything designish. <laughs> oh my God. So we just wanted to really quickly say Merry Christmas, everybody. Obviously, Christmas Eve tomorrow and then Sunday is the big old day. We hope you're having a nice time, whether you're having a quiet one or a massive one. We hope you, yeah, we just hope you all have a good one. Oh, yes. And we're sending love to each and every one of you. Does that sound, is that creepy? You're always creepy. I'm creepy. You with the big glasses stalking my house and I end up with the label of being creepy. All right, so... Join us back in the new year when it will just be Sarah's HIV podcast. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the HIV podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please like, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can now also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at the HIV podcast for behind the scenes insights and videos. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.